Oregon State has a chance to do something that they've only done twice in their program's history tomorrow in the Las Vegas Bowl against Florida. And it's really important for the Pac-12 as well. Let's go. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lockdown Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And our friends at Bet Online have got Oregon State sitting as a 10 point favorite against Florida as they're on the cusp of doing something not seen since 2009 in Corvallis. No better guy to talk about that with than my man Carter Bain, senior writer and editor at beaverblitz.com. Carter, I want to start with what the Pac-12 needs here, and then we'll get into why it's so meaningful for Oregon State. But as you look forward beyond even 2023, which could be just an epic season of football in the Pac-12, Coach Prime in his first year, Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams there, who knows what Chip will have at UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Utah, Oregon State, all looking good. Again, when Washington State is like your seventh or eighth best team, you have quite the conference there. But as you look beyond that, The Pac-10, without USC and UCLA, needs teams to start to establish themselves. It's why Coach Prime is such an important hire at Colorado. But if you ask George K, even though they're not in a big TV market, they don't draw huge ratings. If you asked him, would you like Oregon State to be a perennial 7-9 to with an occasional 10-win season in there as a team? I think that adds a lot of value to the conference, and Jonathan Smith's got a chance to start that here in the bowl game. The more teams that you can get close to, if not at 10 or more wins, the better. And, you know, regardless of, of what their TV market looks like, what how big their fan base is, um, the more wins you can rack up for your conference is, is always a good thing. And I think that you mentioned with USC and UCLA being a part of that top tier in the Pac-12 this year, that's why it's important for schools like Oregon State, Colorado, Washington State, uh, Cal and Stanford, even down the line to build up a little bit and, and to carry their weight because you can't have half of the pack 12, you know, soon to be pack 10 struggling to get to six wins. Um, You need as many of your, of, of your schools to be in the limelight in bowl season at the end of the year, winning games and, and getting on ESPN and Fox and, you know, whatever uh, else the pack 12 decides to do media rights wise. Um, You need to have as much exposure for your conference as you can get. If you're losing, those two brand names in in USC and UCLA. And obviously the only thing you can do to help your case there is win. It it creates a void, right? I I think USC a little bit more so than than UCLA, at least in the football sense. And once we get uh, to talking uh, about basketball, which I I know is not something either of us, frankly, are keen on uh, discussing at this point in time. So let's keep it on the, on the gridiron. You're looking at losing your your biggest football brand in USC, but also a team that even when when Clay Helton was there and you know things weren't going great, they bottomed out in the four and eight season, 
right? And then that's, you know, when they let him go early in that early in that year in 2021. But even the the quote unquote not good years, he had a Rose Bowl victory that included a Pac-12 championship. And, you know, a bad season was like eight and five and just having them there was valuable. So the, it, it creates, I, I think, a void at the top of you need teams to elevate and rise into it because the worst case scenario for, you know, what is currently the, the Pac-10 beyond 2023 would be USC and UCLA leave. And then let's say Oregon, Washington and Utah continue to be, you know, three of the higher level teams. But then everyone else is just middling. You, you, you can't have that. Right. You'd love for Colorado and Coach Prime to get up into that upper echelon in in a few years. But you need more teams to be there. Right. The Pac-12 has had such a great season because you look at the final college football playoff rankings and half the league is in the top 20. It's like six of the top 20. They haven't had that in. I don't think they've ever had that since the college football playoff rankings began. You have to have teams and programs that can be there. And Oregon State looking at this opportunity against Florida Carter has got a chance to really put themselves in that discussion. I, I think they're there, right? They do so many things well. Smith is a great coach. He's built it up. It, it's been slow and methodical and quiet. Again, I still don't know what his voice sounds like. You give me 20 coaches' uh, voices without faces, and I wouldn't know which one Jonathan Smith is. But he's starting to win. And if he can keep Oregon State competitive year in and year out, I think they can be like, like what Wisconsin is to the Big Ten. I think, you know, every few years you might regress and have six and six, but you're not surprised when they win eight to 10 games every year. I think that's what Oregon State can be if Smith keeps them going right here. Yeah, a lot of our discussions this offseason after the news that UCLA and and USC were going to bolt broke surrounded around what Oregon State can do to maintain relevancy to remain in the pac 10 slash 12 moving forward and not fall down to the mountain west and you right. know, all of these worst case scenarios that um a, a lot of oregon state fans frankly were, were dwelling on and the key for oregon state was a you just you have to win because that's the only way to get yourself in the national conversation yep. and b you have to invest in football and what oregon state has done this year winning nine games in the regular season having a chance to post its one of its three best seasons in program history if it wins the bowl game and then rebuilding half of its stadium investing in jonathan smith giving him what is going to be almost five and a half million dollars at the end of his new six-year contract that will run through nearly the end of the decade Um, oregon state has checked all of the boxes it needed to uh, over the course of what the last four months um, so I, I think the Beavers and, and that athletic department, that football program, that university, they've really done everything in their power to to kind of position themselves uh, in a favorable way for this next, I guess, era uh, of the Pac-12 conference. And, and it's not as if, you know, losing this game to Florida would mean the downward trajectory and the loss of all of it. But I think the upside of winning is greater than the downside of losing, but from an Oregon State perspective, you want to win the game. And from a Pac-12 perspective, you want to see them win this game because you've got five teams with nine or more wins. Can you imagine if three, if, if four of them, maybe three, let's say three of them win their games that are currently at at nine or more wins, you, you would end up, because USC, Utah, and Washington are already there, with at least four, probably five teams with double-digit wins. That's what you need. You need to have 
that sort of depth in the conference going forward if you're going to stay relevant in people's minds on the national stage outside of the Pac-12, right? Because that's what we're talking about here. How do you get on people's radars? How do you get on recruits' radars? How do you get on media people's radars, you know, so that you can have a Heisman Trophy winner like Caleb Williams, but obviously being at USC helps tremendously. But you have to have that. And I like what you brought up about the investment because – a lot of times programs that are are smaller that don't have you know huge money behind it like an Oregon State or a Colorado frankly have had problems in the past of it kind of feels like settling it felt like they were settling for for Gary Anderson and it felt like they were you know settling for Carl Durrell at Colorado but now it feels different. You've got the right guy in Corvallis and Jonathan Smith. You're making an investment in, into Coach Prime at Colorado. That represents to me a shift in mindset. And that's what you need to have because I think that's what's been lacking. And I think we've all kind kind of felt that. And I, I want your thoughts on that. And I, I'm also going to want your thoughts on Oregon State being a 10-point favorite against an SEC team. Imagine saying that phrase circa 2018. Yeah, wouldn't have happened then, but it's happening now. It's well-deserved. We'll talk about why. And it is that number of 10, according to our friends at Bet Online, which has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season, our favorite to basketball and the World Cup, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting Info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. So, uh, Carter, just uh, piggyback off of what I, I was talking about a moment ago and, you know, what, what it means for Oregon State fans to be on the precipice of something they've only accomplished twice in their program's history. And let it be known. Not that he needed to be even more of a legend for for Beavs fans, but if Oregon State wins this game, of their three 10-win seasons, two of them would have involved Jonathan Smith. Coincidence? I think not. I actually talked about this uh, earlier today on on um, uh, a radio hit that I did that you know two of Oregon State's best seasons have come with Jonathan Smith being responsible for them, and and one of them as as a quarterback and one of them as a coach. And I think that just goes to show like he is a guy who knows how to win at Oregon State, what it looks like, how to sell it, most importantly, um, but also just how to replicate it. Because, you know, Oregon State wasn't used to winning for, shoot, almost, you know, more than half a decade before he came in. Um, but he built the program in a way, I think, very similar to how Mike Riley did it um, when the Beavers had all that success sustains sustained success uh for a decade uh, to to open the century um to go back to the the commitment to to success and everything part of this new contract that was just announced for Jonathan Smith on Sunday is the the addition to the assistant coaching and support staff salaries and i think that's a key part of this too because Oregon State has really maintained a majority, a vast majority, really, of of its coaching staff that Jonathan Smith brought in in 2018, and a big part of that is because it's been willing to pay it more. We saw the extension and and the raise given to Trent Bray a couple of weeks ago, and I, I think that's so key at a place like Oregon State, where player development is 
critically important. You know, you're not bringing in four and five star guys. You're relying on your coaches to get the most of three star guys. Um, and, and the fact that Oregon State continues to to funnel more and more money into its assistant staff is, um, you know, that again just goes back to the commitment to winning. Which, again, like you said, with um, with uh, Colorado, sorry, I can't remember. Yeah, with Colorado. I mean, it's not something that we've seen in the last couple of years from these schools. Um, but we're seeing it this year at Oregon state. And I, I think, you know, when you combine that with the wins that have started to pile up and, and the fact that Oregon state could win number 10 here, um, there is, there is nothing but excitement and optimism in Corvallis and, and rightfully so. And symbolism does matter in this sport and perception matters in this sport. And, and if you're Jonathan Smith and the Beavs will be looking for, a quarterback in the transfer portal. A lot of names have have been thrown around. Unfortunately, I I tried. I did my best to speak Cade McNamara into existence. It did not materialize. But you know, a lot of names have have been thrown thrown out there. But when you you look at what it means to Oregon State fans, Carter, to put up a ten in the win column. For all the people who say, well, bowl seasons this and bowl seasons that, yeah. Don't tell that to Oregon State fans because I have a feeling, Carter, correct me if I'm wrong, they're not going to be listening to it, even though Florida has a lot of opt-outs in this game, as we're going to get to in, in just a moment. A am I wrong to speculate that Oregon State fans have a sense of excitement and pressure a little bit on this game? Absolutely, and it's not just the fans, it's the players too. Um, I, I can tell you there are multiple players on this team who had the opportunity to leave last year but came back because they had such a bitter taste in their mouth from how they played in the LA bowl last year. Brandon Kipper is a guy who comes to mind who all year was talking about how he, how he, his offensive line and, and the offense as a whole and, and the team didn't perform up to expectations. Lost to Utah state was thoroughly outplayed. And that was a key factor in his decision to come back because he wanted to get to a better bowl play against a higher caliber opponent and win the game. So all of which happened by the way, Exactly. Well, the so, last one, the last one we'll see, but the, yeah. the, for the first two boxes, check and a check. Right. So it's, it's the players, it's the coaches, it's the entire fan base. And one of the things that we've been talking about at Beaver Blitz the last week or two since uh, Florida was announced as the opponent. Sure. Anthony Richardson's not playing. Sure. There's 23, 24, 25 guys opting out of this game, but people aren't going to remember that five to 10 years from now. Nope. They're going to remember that Oregon State notched its first ever win against an SEC opponent. If you know, if if the Beavers win, um, it would be their first win over an SEC opponent. People are going to remember that Oregon State played Florida. That the game was in Vegas. They're not going to remember who lined up for the Gators, and that's so key to this because, you know, for for a program like Oregon State to get over the hump, it has to prove that it belongs. And what better way to prove that you belong? than to beat an SEC opponent in a bowl game. I don't know. I, I, I think there's just, I, I just think that there's so much riding on it, even though, you know, even though Florida's not an Alabama or, or whatnot, and it, this is the Vegas bowl, not the Rose bowl. Like this has the opportunity to generate even more momentum. Yeah. I think Oregon state still has a number of goals. They'd like to reach with, with Jonathan Smith at the helm going forward that they haven't yet. But a 10-win season, no matter how you get it, literally no matter how you get it, you can't overlook the value of that to a team, to an alumni base, to a fan base as well, and you know people who, who support the team. 
for a program that won one game five years ago. One, one single game. And let's be honest, Carter, they shouldn't even have won that game. Like Three it, points it, against Portland State, yeah. It should have been a goose egg. It should have been a goose egg season. And when you bottom out like that, there is 100% legitimate value in an opportunity like this. And let's just get into a, a real quick game preview with it looming tomorrow. 10-point favor for the Beefs. Right, right around that number may vary depending on where you look. That's what they've got, according to our friends at Bet Online. I think the opt-outs are a part of that. The line opened smaller and has moved out as players announced they weren't going to play. But the other thing, Carter, with regards to your point about you know the SEC and the opt-outs is number one, the the SEC brand is such. And it's so glorious and so amazing. And in a number of ways, I do agree with that. But however, do you think an SEC fan has never said an argument, we could put out our third team and beat a team from the Pac-12 and this, that, and the other thing. And I bet also, Carter, that if you were to look at recruiting rankings of the players who are going to be playing in this game, even with all the opt-outs, I bet you it still favors Florida. But Oregon State, I think, is the favorite for a reason. I think they're the much more motivated team. I I think the Bees could cover that 10 points. I really, really do. I don't think Florida is that good of a team. They're traveling a lot further than Oregon State is. I I feel pretty confident about what the Bees can can do here. And look, I know they knocked off Utah, but that was all Anthony Richardson, and he's not playing in this game. Well, I mean, it, it, it just means more in the SEC, right? So, like, why are these guys opting out? You know, why, why is this fan base checking out saying, oh, we don't care about the mm. Vegas Bowl? I mean, it just means more. So, um, no, it's, it, that's obviously being facetious. But um, Florida, I, I think, is is still dialed in. You know, there are guys who are opting for the draft who are going to play in this game. Um, Gervin Dexter, the the defensive lineman there at Florida, who uh, is, is probably their best defensive player, is headed to the draft but said that he will play in this game, which I think is key for the Gators there. Um, because a lot of the guys who have opted out or entered the portal um, or who have been dismissed, dismissed from the team, most of those guys weren't key starters. You know, Anthony Richardson, of course, at quarterback is a big one, um, but most of those other guys were special teamers and reserve types. So I think Florida still got quite a bit of talent coming into this game. You mentioned it with the backup situation. A lot of those guys are former three, four, five stars. You know, these aren't these aren't walk-ons that are lining up against Oregon state. And you know, that oftentimes I, I think sec backups probably have, you know, a little bit, um, a little bit more star power to them than, than PAC 12 backups. But uh, regardless, I think it's a good matchup for Oregon state. The Beavers are far and away going to be the more motivated team here. Um, and I, I think the fan base there in, in, in Las Vegas as well, will will lean heavily orange, uh, in Oregon State's favor, you know, both, I expect the bees to show up. I, I mean, there. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong. Is there a direct flight from uh, which airport? Would the, is there a Corvallis Airport? Eugene. Yeah, they fly. Yeah, there's a direct flight from Las Vegas yeah. to Eugene. Yeah. I I was I was on it not long ago. It's a Southwest flight, so it's not going to cost you too much to go down there. I'd expect at least a solid showing from from the bees fans. Obviously, you know, it's not going to be a sold out crowd or anything because Florida. Probably not going to send quite as many with a, a six and six season under under their new coach and Billy Napier. But yeah, I I, I agree with a, a lot of what you what you were just saying there. And 
I, I think the other thing too is Florida has has had their moments this year where they've looked like that sort of team that that we thought they might be after they beat Utah in week one, but then they've had too many moments where they've looked not like that team. And I'm with you on the motivation factor. I think it's just so much higher for Oregon State. Like for Florida going seven and six versus six and seven, they do not care as much as Oregon State would being nine and four versus being 10 and three to end the, the 2022 season. There's another bowl game that is taking place tomorrow and it involves Washington State. And they're playing the Mountain West champs, which is the game that Oregon State was in a year ago in Fresno State. That program has got more on the line individually, I'd say, than the conference ramifications we talked about with the Beavs in this game. I will tell you why. After I tell you that, let's say, you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks, a few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. It's okay. It's no big deal. You're wrong to think those sorts of things. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license, lose your job, total your car, kill someone. All those things are possible. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still somehow doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now, night after night, looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, drive sober or get pulled over, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. This message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. All right, the other bowl game that I'm excited for, and I think the conference ramifications are not quite as uh, as significant on the whole. However, that does not mean there isn't something Washington State is playing for here, and that'd be their most wins, Carter, since 2018. Also the last time under Mike Leach, who we very much hope is okay and is able to recover. We're recording this a little bit earlier in the week, so hopefully good news on that front. Washington State hasn't won a bowl game since 2018. They haven't been ranked since 2018. They haven't had an eight-win or greater season since 2018. And in year one for a head coach, talking about this a lot with Jonathan Smith as well, it means something to be able to put up a number like that at a program that does not have a rich tradition of winning. Yeah, and I think it's important to where Washington State is in this quote-unquote rebuild. Um, you know, it, this isn't the type of rebuild that Oregon State is is on. You know, not it's even a rebuild. The same. It's a rebuild-ish. Yeah, like, not even a, remotely the same trajectory. You know, Jake Dickert comes in and inherits a program that was already winning six, seven, eight, nine, ten games a year. Yeah, um, but it's about him establishing his culture you know, his brand of football, getting his assistance in line. And I think to have this early success in his tenure would go a long way in doing that. Um, I I think having tangible success that you can point to early in your career, especially when you're coming in as a former interim coach, somebody who had no head coaching experience. um, I think that goes a long way in being able to sell your product, uh, of of course, particularly to recruits, but also importantly to boosters as well. Um, So having those successful years early on, being able to take advantage of what was left by the previous coaching staff, because it's not like this program was in shambles when Rolovich uh, and and his other assistants that didn't stay on left. Um, you know, it's, it's important for Dickert. 
Yeah, and and I think it's a fascinating game because you've got two teams whose identities come on opposing sides of the ball, but whose you know quote unquote weaker side has shown glimpses this year. You know that that Fresno State game against Oregon State back all the way in week two, which feels like a, a lifetime ago. They did allow the the game losing touchdown there at the end, but for long stretches of that game. It was tough for the Beavs to move the ball. And it looked like, you know, they came out early, they had some points, and it was going to be, you know, kind of smooth sailing. And then all of a sudden they put they put the clamps down. But by far the, f- the most fascinating matchup in this game, Carter, is Jake Hayner, who comes in red hot, Mountain West Championship, 9-4 and four Fresno State team that looked like their season was kind of lost at one point. And, you know, he was hurt. But since he's come back, they've been really rolling and they're going up against that Washington State defense that now doesn't have their defensive coordinator. He's down at ASU. Brian Ward is joining Kenny Dillingham and that staff, which I think is a great hire if if you're Dillingham building out his his first staff there in Tempe. So Dickert will be calling the defensive plays, and you know he's a former defensive coordinator, so I don't think that'll be too much of, of a problem there. But I think that's just such a compelling matchup in, in itself. Just Washington State defense. How do you try and contain a guy like Jake Hayner? Jake Hayner remains, I think, one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country. I think he is going to have a pretty nice professional career. Um, I, I hope that somebody takes a shot on him and I do too. You know, and 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 gives him He's a, just a chance a there. He just goes out there. You know, what he wants to do yeah. Carter. He just wants to go out there and play football every every yeah. week. That's what I see. I'm like, man, that guy just wants to play football, and he wins games too. You know, he's done nothing but win since he went to Fresno State. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, unfortunately suffered the injury in the middle of the year, but it proved how important he is to that team because they really struggled without him. Um, and so obviously it's key that he gets back in there, but he does have a tough matchup. I have seen both Hayner and the Washington state defense firsthand this year. And I know how good both of those sides are. Um, you know, Hayner was able to move the ball against Oregon state's defense, which went down as, as one of the best, if not the best in the PAC 12 this year, of course, Oregon state's secondary, one of the best in the country, Jake Hayner was able to move the ball. They scored 30 plus points in that game. Um, so I, I think the pressure frankly is, is on the Washington state defense in this one. Um, the, the firepower that the Bulldogs have on offense, uh, you know, they've got the name recognition there. Washington State, I, I know, has some some all-conference guys. Dan Henley is is a solid player. Um, but people on the East Coast know Jake Hayner's name, I think, by now. But I don't think there's a player on that Washington State defense that has gotten some of the national headlines and, and notoriety that, that Jake Hayner has. So um, curious to see how they perform against each other. I think it's a great matchup. The L.A. Bowl last year was fun to watch between uh, Oregon State in the middle of the Pac-12 versus Utah State. Uh, as the Mountain West champion, I think this is a great matchup moving forward. The Mountain West gets better and better. The Pac-12, as a deep league, is always going to field a good team in that middle range as, as long as it remains this deep. Uh, this will be another fun match, another fun matchup to watch. Uh, and I think this bowl is going to continue to pr- produce good ones. Let's do some uh, some quick game predictions here, and we'll begin with uh, with with Oregon State and Florida in the Vegas Bowl. I think the Bees are going to cover that ten points, Carter. I, I think Florida hangs around initially, but for a team whose motivation level I 100% question across the board. Now you could have guys who are playing that haven't done a ton this year in terms of seeing action on the field. And they could be a bit, a, a bit more juice to, you know, get an opportunity to play. 
but then you're playing guys who are not quite as experienced. So I, I don't think there's a real winning hand there for, for Florida on, on that front. And I think eventually, I think Oregon State can just wear him down with Damian Martinez. You know, that's that's been their formula. And I think for a team that's questioning, that, that, that I question in terms of their motivation going into the game, I think that's just a demoralizing feeling. Just five, four, seven, five, four, seven yards on the ground just over and over again. I, I think Oregon State gets this done. And without Anthony Richardson, a quarterback, I've got no faith in that Florida offense whatsoever. So I'll take the Beavs pretty comfortably here. I'm going to go 28 to 13. I like it. Yeah, I, I think Oregon State scores more than 28 in this game. Florida has one of the worst run defenses in the country. Oregon State has one of the best rushing offenses as a great offensive line. Damian Martinez, like you said, could average six, seven, eight yards per carry in this game. I think he's going to find Pater a couple of times. Um, and I think Oregon State's going to post a bunch of points in this thing. The key for Florida is can it keep up? And I just don't know if I can trust a third string quarterback to do no. that, um, particularly when he has never started a game. I know he's a former Ohio State guy. He was a pretty solid recruit out of high school, but you just experience against yeah. the Oregon State secondary. Say that out loud and then try and pick Florida. Yeah, it's it's it would be scary to to project much from the the Florida offense there. I, I do think, like we said earlier, Florida is still going to have a lot of talent in this game. Some of those guys will be very motivated. Um, but when your team as a whole is not as motivated as your opponent in a bowl game, that oftentimes shows up. That's where you start to see some of those blowouts. And so I do think this has blowout potential in Oregon State's favor. Um, but I do think there's a path to Florida being very competitive in this game and and you know potentially pulling some sort of upset. But I wouldn't predict that. I, I think Oregon State wins it by probably a touchdown and a field goal to two touchdowns. Yeah, I, I think the only path that Florida would have is put eight guys in the box and force Ben Branson to beat you. And I think that is the only option that they've got. And even then, I I don't know if if they've got that. And I just that Oregon State secondary against a guy who hasn't started a college football game. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the bees on on that side. The other one's tough. I I've been a Washington State defender all season long. I had their preseason record prediction right on the money, Carter. They were the best team. Uh, that that I put in the Pac-12 prime picks consistently. They were like the only good pick I consistently had. I think it was four and one or four and two when when including them in there in some form or another. I don't know on this one. I here here's the biggest question of the game: Can Washington State run the football? If because that's been the key to their offense all year. In games where they run the football, Arizona, Stanford, they win and they look like a really good team doing it and i think you could have that but i just keep coming back to man that dude jake hayner that that dude jake hayner correct me if i'm wrong it'll be his last college football game yep i i i'm rooting for the Cougs 100 percent, and i would love to see him get this win but i think they're going to drop it i i think fresno state wins in a little bit of a shootout i think it looks a little bit like the washington game but you know closer at the end I, I think Hayner makes a play. I'll go 34-30 Fresno State. That sounds about right. I, I think it's a little lower scoring than that. Right. Um, the, the I think that would the, favor Washington State. If you told yeah. me lower scoring, that's Washington State's MO. And and that's where I'm going with this because I think, you know, you look at the two teams and how they match up against each other. You have a really good offense at Fresno State versus a really good defense at Washington State and a not-so-good defense at Fresno State against, you know, a, a kind of an average offense at, at Washington State. Um, 
more often than not, if that is the case, I'm going to lean with the side that has the advantage on defense. And, and that that is Washington State. Um, I, I go back to what I saw when Oregon State and Fresno State played. And I just think, you know, if 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 Fresno State couldn't slow down Oregon State's offense, which didn't turn out to be much of anything this year, um, I, I'm kind of questioning what it could do against Cam Ward and, and some of those legitimate playmakers that the Cougs have uh, on offense as well. So I, I think the Cougs have enough talent uh, to overcome the Jay Kaner effect. He's a gamer. He's a winner. And that's it makes it really scary to pick the Cougs here because the guy just finds ways to win games. Probably should have beaten Oregon State if not for that late comeback and a Coletto miracle touchdown at the end. Um, but I think the Cougs get this one and and uh, and even up the all-time series in this bowl at 1-1 for the Pac-12. I hope you are right for the sake of the conference, of course. I would love for them to go 5-2. and two. That would be a great bowl season for, for the league. And I think they're playing for a lot. When you have a great regular season like this, you want to be able to back it up in, in bowl season and put out as many 10-win teams as you can. Carter Bain, senior writer and editor at beaverblitz.com, will be uh, crossing his fingers and then some and biting nails in front of the television tomorrow as the Beavs go for their third 10-win season in program history. Carter, great to talk to you, as always, my friend. Hey, I'll be there. I'll, I'll be in Vegas. Hey, even, better. Guess, as even the, better. As this thing airs, I'm probably at a press conference or a casino. <laughs> fantastic i might have to see you there i might I, I might have to see you there we'll we'll talk off the air but good to talk to you as well thank you everyone for listening see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day